What is happening to the surface of the planet Earth and to California's Central Valley? The concerns we have here in Modesto are varied. We need to look at the effects that the global temperatures are having on our soil and various aspects of life in an agricultural community. What are the honest, hardcore facts about reckless human behavior that cause the peril that humans make for each other? And what can we do to take better care of each other? Great Mother Earth, her promise in peril. We are curators of factual recordings so that you can learn and navigate for yourself this terrain of the perils and the promises right here on kcbpradio.org sponsored by the Peace Life Center of Modesto. Today's show will focus almost exclusively on the Poor People's Campaign because this campaign from late spring and early summer of 2018 so wonderfully encapsulates the idea of the promise and the peril on our great Mother Earth. So a tiny bit of history first. When Martin Luther King was assassinated 50 years ago, he had just begun the Poor People's Campaign. So about 47 years later, uh, Reverend Dr. William Barber picked up the mantle with the Moral Mondays um, in a different part of the United States. But now the idea has spread uh, across the country and so today we'll hear from Reverend Joanna Shank, Reverend Liz Griswold, Alan O'Brien, and Helen Jackard. Joanna Shank, today is one of those moral Mondays. And uh, what do you do for a living and where were you today? I am a pastor at First Mennonite Church in San Francisco and was at the Poor People's Campaign uh, this afternoon and was really impressed with the leadership of the indigenous peoples who were there that led in singing and prayer and also kicked off the nonviolent direct action where uh, they covered over the statue of colonizers. It was Queen Isabella, Queen Isabella and Christopher Columbus. They covered over the statue uh, with a banner, with like a tarp, kind of like a parachute that said, all nations one fight, uh, and we're calling for the removal of the statue of the colonizers um, of this country. And I thought it was really powerful, uh, a really powerful statement and definitely a provocative statement because pretty immediately the police showed up um, to protect the statue. To protect the statue and to keep people from touching the statue and then guarded the statue. And it was just this really bizarre reality for, you know, 20 minutes or whatever, where there was a ring of police officers that were guarding the statue. And then there was a ring of nonviolent activists that were holding hands around them um, as we were singing songs. And that was just a really powerful moment to me to say, you're protecting the statue, but we're, you know, it, we're protecting you, but it was more like, um, we're, we're also creating a barrier, but this is made up of love and solidarity, yes. um, and speaking truth to power rather than protecting the power. So that was a really powerful moment. And I think also there was 
just a lot of unknowns. Like, how are they going to respond? Were people going to be arrested then? Like, what were they going to do about the way that they were now surrounded, you know, and they ended up walking out of it eventually. But I thought it was just a really powerful statement of love and solidarity in the face of um, this kind of blind uh, protection of power, like the dominant system that really has disenfranchised and oppressed so many people. So I thought that that was a really beautiful image of today that I know will stick with me. And I think was probably like a creative solution on the fly to this response from the police to protect the statue to say, well, we're going to surround you with love, even though they may have not felt it as love. <laughs> that's the way that I would describe it. Thank you. I thought that all of them had indigenous leadership for all the events for the Moral Mondays in California. Was I? Well, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think that because the f part of the focus was on environmental justice, that they really wanted to center the leadership of indigenous people, uh, since they have been primary caretakers of the land and have been in a much more like healthy and symbiotic relationship with the land than settler peoples. So I could be wrong and perhaps it will be different next week. But, um, in terms of what I saw in the first week and what I saw this week, it seemed like their leadership was much more central. Um, and that made a lot of sense to me, given the focus uh, for, for the campaign this week. Great. Is, is, it's not just California. It's how many other states? Is it only state capitals? It's only state capitals, as far as I know. And there's been at least 30 states participating every week. Uh, from what I read after the first week, um, there was a lot of arrests that were made. In the, in the first week, people in California weren't arrested. Um, but in a lot of other states they were, especially in states where um, there's maybe less of an activism culture as in California, um, and also in states where there were less people that were able to participate um, in the Poor People's Campaign. So I think that um, there's definitely been a response, uh, and in some ways a clampdown on the nonviolent direct actions that people have been trying to do, which I think also speaks to the power of what the the movement is doing and the willingness of people to like count the cost for sharing um for sharing about what the poor people's campaign is doing which is changing the narrative about morality in this country and the immorality of poverty the immorality of war the immorality of racism and uh really inviting people to uh to think again about the ways that that they've been taught to um, yeah, to think about the disparities in wealth, to think about racial tensions, that it's not an individual problem, but it's a systemic issue, and the immorality is the systems in which we live and that have formed us, um, as opposed to the immorality of, like, individual people because they're mm. poor, yeah. um, or because they haven't been able to succeed in the way that we've been taught, like, we're supposed to. That was Reverend Joanna Shank during the middle of the Poor People's Campaign 40 Days of Moral Witness. And next we have another clergy person from Davis, California, who's been a regular participant at the Poor People's Campaign. 
Hi, I'm Reverend Elizabeth Griswold, and it was awesome to be part of the Poor People's Campaign. This week was focusing on health and health insurance and access to health care and uh, healthy environment, and we were led um, so strongly by our indigenous sisters and brothers, reminding us of um, what this land is all about and how Mother Earth is the one who really provides for us all. And I was so inspired by the chanting and the singing and the sacrifice also of those who were moral witnesses who are right now in county jail. So, so people were arrested uh, for civil resistance? Exactly, yeah. There were 13 people uh, arrested in the rotunda at the state capitol, mm-hmm. and um, ultimately they gathered around a statue of Christopher Columbus kneeling and offering riches and bounty to uh, Queen Isabella. And so they chose that as a symbolic um, kind of center of pillage of people and pillage of the earth. To try to uh, maybe, uh, what do you call it, um, a new narrative, a new, it's time for some sort of change in that kind of old symbolism. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and how many weeks does the campaign go on? Because I didn't get that. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, six weeks or 40 days, kind of a powerful biblical symbolic number. So we have two more weeks to go. Next week will be about um, everybody has the right to live, about um, unions and good jobs and education. And then the final week will be a wrap up about uh, continuing. How do we continue this moral fusion uh, campaign? Great. Thank you. Sure. That was United Church of Christ pastor Elizabeth Griswold from Sacramento and Davis. She was speaking about the Poor People's Campaign, a major uh, national call for moral witnesses. Hundreds of people nationally getting uh, arrested uh, through civil disobedience, mostly at state capitals. You're tuned in to The Promise and the Peril on Great Mother Earth. After six Mondays in a row of protesting in at least 30 states across the country, everybody was headed to Washington, D.C. In the background, we hear some of the singing and chanting from the final week in Sacramento. Okay, they're outside of the governor's office right now. After a dozen or so justice activists were arrested for touching the doors of the governor's office against the orders of state police. Before the final blessing, Reverend Eddie Anderson reiterates for the crowd the three sites at which nonviolent direct action had occurred and arrests or detentions had happened. The assembly, the Senate, and the governor's office. that you have assaulted and caused harm to the citizens of this state. And that we may be the golden state, but we do not follow the golden rule. So today, we declare victory because the Constitution said we have the right to be here. We have the right to attain happiness. It says we have the right to file our grievances, and so that's what we've done today. So I want you to leave here feeling empowered. I want you to leave here knowing that you are part of this unsettling force, and that we're going to D.C. this weekend. That's right. A big issue on the Poor People's Campaign is the environment and the connectivity of people's health and other human rights. 
This is Pegasus with KCBP Radio, and my name is Reverend Alan Marshall O'Brien. I'm the I'm the minister at Elk Grove uh, United Church of Christ, and I got hooked up with the Poor People's Campaign with other ministers from my denomination. And uh, after today, I guess I'm not super surprised um, that people didn't listen to the voice of the poor because uh, it's been unheard for so long um, in the the richest state in our country has the highest poverty rate and uh this is just something that that i think is going to continue to happen until poor people realize that they have a voice um until the people in my congregation realize that they don't have to cut their medication to uh save on money that that is not something that has to happen uh that is something that has been manufactured and uh, it is time that poor people realize that that they're they're related we're all related or poor white people, poor black people, poor people across our country. Like we all across our country, we feel it. And do you know what the next steps are? There are those of us who built a network are going to stay interconnected. I don't know of anything after the this year, but we're definitely going to be a part of it. How do you feel? You're smiling. Yeah, I'm, I'm smiling because, uh, who? <laughs> it's emotional. Um, just seeing people who are affected put their bodies on the line when their voices are not heard. Um, I saw people who suffered homelessness and have suffered food insecurity and have lost family members. And um, just the people that you know I see in my own congregation came here, regular people, and they put their hands on the door and uh, it's inspiring to me. Excellent. Thank you, Reverend. Thank you. You have been listening to The Peril and the Promise. We've had three interviews so far regarding the Poor People's Campaign, which is a national movement. Um, let me uh, read this quote from the Poor People's Campaign website. It's, a, it's an old quote from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. back in May of 1967, uh, half a century ago. He says... I think it is necessary for us to realize that we have moved from the era of civil rights to the era of human rights when we see that there must be a radical redistribution of economic and political power then we see that after Selma and the voting rights bill we have moved into a new era it must be an era of revolution in short We've moved into an era where we are called upon to raise certain basic questions about the whole society. Again, that's a quote from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. back 50 years ago. Uh, The Poor People's Campaign is a national call for moral revival, and the big push was in late spring and early summer of 2018 with more than 30 states, uh, mostly in the state capitals, with uh, poor people and other folks of a great intersectional movement coming together um, with many different issues that are all related to the economic injustices uh, in this country. Uh, It was brewing a half a century ago, and then the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated, and uh, Reverend uh, William Barber started to revive this about four years ago, four or five years ago, with the Moral Mondays campaign, so that those who could pass legislation might listen to the demands, the requests, the needs of 
the hordes of poor folks, especially in regards to how the environmental injustices that are happening, uh, the perils on Great Mother Earth are affecting people's health in a negative way and people's ability to survive. from the Poor People's Campaign direct actions where people were being arrested at the state capitol. So again, the demands of the Poor People's Campaign have been based on uh, some of uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s analysis of what's fundamentally wrong with our society and our economy. So this is a moral agenda based on fundamental rights. The themes and the demands revolve around systemic racism, poverty and inequality, ecological devastation, and the war economy and militarism. National morality was the latest issue added and one of the other lines from the uh, Poor People's Campaign says that in the history of this country, there have been moral justifications for genocide and slavery. Uh, today, religious extremists focus on issues like prayer in school and abortion and gun rights that distort the national moral narrative. These influences have also ignored the moral commitments enshrined in the U.S. Constitution to establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and posterity. Those commitments should help ensure that the country moves towards the more perfect union aspired by the founding documents. As the Poor People's Campaign website points out, the truth is that a morality that claims to care for the souls of people while destroying their bodies and communities is deeply immoral. So the hypocrisy is being exposed through the power of the Poor People's Campaign. So I'll just ask two questions. First one is, what's your name? Helen Jackard. And what are you doing here today? Or what's the I'm really, what I'm really happy to see that the not just the poor people, but people with all kinds of different issues are coming together, understanding their connections, recognizing each other, and coming together to make real deep change in the society. And I think that this is a really great beginning we've had these six weeks. And I'm looking forward to seeing what's next because we're involving not just the normal crowd of, you know, old white people that were part of the 60s, 70s, 80s kinds of movements, but now we're involving the, the new young people and more people of color than ever before and LGBTQIA and all the rest of them. 
and and especially I'm really happy to see that the American Indian movement is involved in other indigenous peoples and I think that um, in this way we make sure that all lives matter and that we really do have a moral revival. I think that that's been totally necessary. I was really 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 pleased when Moral Mondays was happening in North Carolina and I think that I was hoping at the time that we would take this nationwide and it looks like that's what's going on. I'll let you go. Say that last word again. You were hoping what? I was, ho I was hoping that this would go nationwide and apparently now in this new you know poor people's campaign it has. And how far did you travel to get to Sacramento's capital today? Uh, we drove yesterday, it was about eight hours from San Diego. San Diego, got it. And what's next? Are you going to go to D.C. or do you know other people that are going there? No, I, I don't think I can. Yeah, but okay. I Thank wish you. all the people luck they would go there. Oh, and, and four organizations you work with. Okay, so I'm Helen Jackard. I'm with Veterans for Peace, the VFP Golden Rule Peace Boat and Project, Women's International League for Peace and Freedom, um, VFP Golden Rule Project just became part of ICANN, the international campaign against nuclear, uh, for the abolition of nuclear weapons, and uh, who knows what else. <laughs> Thank you, Helen. Thank you. It was quite good that Helen Jackard just pointed out the militaristic and the nuclear issue um, as it pertains to the Poor People's Campaign, which, um, as we've mentioned before on this show, this radio show, The Peril and the Promise, that one of the, or actually the, the number one biggest problem for global climate change is coming from the uh, U.S. military. All the amount of fuel that it takes to operate the big airplanes, getting the whole planet covered with uh, United States military forces. It takes a lot of fuel. That's the hugest uh, carbon footprint uh, imaginable. Uh, again, we've mentioned this before on the peril and the promise, that it was good that Helen Jackard pointed that out. She's with the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom, and one of the many participants at the Poor People's Campaign here in the Central Valley of California, as well as in many other states for the middle part of the year 2018, and it will continue into 2019 and beyond. Their fundamental principles of the Poor People's Campaign, uh, as listed on the, the Poor People's Campaign California.org website, Number one, we are rooted in a moral analysis based on our deepest religious and constitutional values that demand justice for all. Moral revival is necessary to save the heart and soul of our democracy. Uh, again, these are quotes from the Poor People's Campaign, California.org. We don't have time to go over all of those fundamental principles. So you can look at Poor People's Campaign, California.org to see more of this information. But I just wanted to highlight a few of them because we've been able to hear some excellent interviews today by folks that have attended the uh, direct actions as moral witnesses and as bystanders, as people willing to um, put their bodies on the line and turn things around in our society. And again, uh, let me read a few more of these uh, fundamental principles. The campaign and all its participants 
and endorsers embrace nonviolence. Again, I'm quoting, violent tactics or actions will not be tolerated, unquote. This is a very important part of the Poor People's Campaign. Uh, one of their fundamental principles is also, quote, we will do our work in a nonpartisan way. No elected officials or candidates get the stage or serve on the state organizing committee of the campaign. This is not about left and right, Democrat, Republican. This is about right and wrong, unquote. So we're very grateful we had a chance to hear from some of the participants, uh, some of the clergy members, especially for the Poor People's Campaign, the national movement that uh, really hit the road running in the year 2018. Also, in a country of powerful people's movement rising up against slavery and genocide with moral dissent and moral vision and moral resistance. You're listening to the voice of Reverend Dr. William Barber, who helped inspire the poor people's movement. So, if we are serious about changing the present, we need to understand how that past came to be and how the legacies, both the legacies of genocide and slavery, and the legacies of the movement against those evil remain with us today and why we must make sure that that legacy of resistance remains. Militarism has been a part of our nation from its founding. The myth of manifest destiny gave religious cover to what's more honestly identified as Westford expansion. It was the doctrine of discovery that I just recently was talking about with the Apache Nation whose necklace I was given just a week or so ago. Then it stated that any land not inhabited by Christians was available to be discovered, claimed, and exploited by Christian rulers and declared that the Catholic faith and the Christian religion should be exalted and be everywhere increased and spread, that the health of souls be cared for and the barbarous nations be overthrown and brought to the faith itself. This doctrine of discovery became the basis of all European claims in the Americas, as well as the foundation for the United States Western expansion. In the U.S. Supreme Court, in 1823 case, Johnson versus McIntosh, Chief Justice John Marshall, opinion in the unanimous decision held that the principle of discovery gave European nations an absolute right to new worlds and new lands. In essence, American Indians had only the right of occupancy, which could be abolished, that meant white European settlers using military force as they moved westward to seize the land across the continent, could establish networks of forts and militarized community where native communities once thrived, killing all those who stood in their way. Whole communities, entire nations were forced off their land on, on long treks. The Trail of Tears where thousands, tens of thousands died. And that's why last week in our Arizona meeting with the Apaches and the Cherokee and the Pueblos and the Navajo people, they've asked one thing of the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for a moral revival, that one day when we're here in D.C. on Monday, if we would get a copy of the Doctrine of Discovery of Origin and burn it, send the ashes to Pope Francis and ask him to denounce it and be the kind of man we know he is. You've been listening to The Peril and the Promise from kcbpradio.org, produced by Adlai Fredrickson and Pegasus. 
here at the Peace Life Center of Modesto. You can tune in every week at this time to learn about the peril that humans make for each other and the promise that we can make for a better world as community. Music on The Peril and the Promise on the Earth is by Alzara Getz and Dorothy Smelter.